and action. This is Talk Me Some Art. I'm Guy Massey. And this episode is dedicated to the art of print advertising. Madison Avenue, Boston, Boise, Bogota, Providence. The pace of the world depends on advertising. One of the world's largest industries. It's gone worldwide. Uh, Print advertising takes up a small portion because uh, the media buys for television. And now with internet, which can be lumped under print, of course it's print, uh, but it is a sense, it is also in a sense a, a broadband broadcast. So you could consider it that type of its own media. But uh, we're not going to really dwell on internet except for the, uh, the end product, which would be the media buy. Uh, and I'm not going to get so prosaic as that. I don't want to, at least. Um, I don't know if my... I don't think my podcast border, border on prosaic. It's one of those uh, things that it's, you, you kind of like try to avoid. There's some negativity involved but let's not let's not discuss that let's talk about what I'm talking about okay guy I say he's rather not pithy this morning is he can you guys please just give me a break cut me some slack you know turn me loose just let me roll here print advertising the art of print advertising I would tap my fingers, but I'm at a soft couch right now, and I'm comfy. And yes, I have my ubiquitous Joe, and it's uh, very tasty. It's uh, Lavatia, and it's a good blend. I think they call it the classic blend. And Madison Avenue. It's still there. New York is still a center of advertising. Um, Chicago, uh, if you want to turn on the TV and put on a craft commercial ad, uh, you're not going to really see uh, see a spot too much come up for, uh, you know, Heinz, or you won't see a commercial come up for uh, Chef Boyardee, or you won't see a, uh, a buy for, uh, too many buys for craft dinners. You will see um, older folk ads for walkers and canes, and you'll see macho ads for uh, locks and flashlights, and you'll see supersonic eyeglasses, You'll see, um, uh, you'll run the gamut of pretty much any ad that will be direct to consumer and direct mail. So the direct mail uh, came into focus in the 50s when the post office uh, increased its capacity through automated uh, automated mailings. And uh, Providence actually was the first automated 
uh, post office in the country. The Rhode Island Capitol hosted a Sarian architect. Note that architect. Um, I don't know if his name's Adolf. Uh, no, I don't think so. But uh, he is uh, uh, Swedish or uh, Norwegian or from from the up in the Black Sea area, I believe. Uh, architect that uh, was noted for airport terminals in the 50s, and um, he. Uh, did the, I believe, the LAX terminal. A lot of Sarian designed uh, structures exist still in the great states of ours. Uh, I think you could be probably just about anywhere in this country and you're going to see an example or a knockoff. But um, I do digress. When I started at Duffy and Shanley, the um, second ad, third ad agency I worked for back in the 80s um, direct mail was showing its ugly head um, in many forms I worked for a company called Niagara Mohawk we had that as our uh, became quickly our largest account it overtook uh, a few of our local uh, local patrons uh, namely the state of Rhode Island which had a relatively low tourism budget back then uh, we handled only the tourism division of the large state that we that I live in um, here in Pawtucket um, overlooking the neighborhood uh, which consists of a uh, first-generation suburban outlay called Darlington section of Pawtucket um, and it is quiet it's very early morning. The first crow um, made its utterance, and the first chirper. It's a wren of some sort, and he is reminding me of this broadcast. And so, with that, the Niagara Mohawk Company, um, still powering upstate New York with juice to run people's days and nights and they wanted a little cartoon character and it was a professor with a stick by the blackboard showing you how to save energy and it was one of the first save energy um, campaigns and it was one of the first energy saving light bulb hawking very effective. They sold a lot of light bulbs. And I think maybe some of those light bulbs are still glowing over uh, Charles Dickens novels and coloring books throughout the uh, greater Troy area. So, in any event, um, the Providence agency I worked at was when Providence had ad agencies that were dedicated to print for the most part. Of course, TV was a factor outdoor considered print uh, billboards and such uh, posters broadsheets as they called them in the old days posters I designed some nice posters we did for some pro bono accounts but I don't want to get off track I want to stay on track I tend to tangent off uh, I'm gonna up my meds I think uh, and so the the idea with with 
with the direct mail uh, for this campaign in particular uh, was to make, first of all, educate people in an entertaining way, and that's with Mr. Professor. He had a name. I don't remember his name. And I did the layouts for those. I worked on some of the first computers produced. The monitors or the displays, we call them monitors back then. Screens in front of you. Uh, of course, the computer took up the bottom part of you. You know, you'd kick the computer at the bottom of the, on the floor uh, <clears throat> because it was just in the way. And uh, you'd work diligently to lay out that ad with the perf that the end user could tear off and mail back. And the screens were $5,000. Five grand for a computer monitor. And you may as well be back in the 19... You may as well be back at, on Forbidden Planet uh, with, with the prices there uh, because, you know, you, not a lot of ad agencies would, would really spring for that. $5,000, you know, that was back just at the end of the, uh, the lunch cocktail uh, combination where you'd go out for a martini lunch, bill it to the client uh, in a haphazard fashion. You'd keep a little list in your pocket. The, the president of the company would be overseeing that, and he would uh, turn it into girl at the desk who would type up the bill and add those in as expenditures or uh, expense account and that would tally into the thousands of dollars but the clients that way were, uh, were, were rich they had some deep deepish pockets and they could uh, they could sort of uh, cut back on some things maybe maybe not it was, it was the end of the glory days. Well, the glory days had been long over, but it was the tail end, um, just the, the tiny thread of a tail left of that era. Of course, those days are, for the most part, gone. Gone, uh, as my nephew Bob would say, they're gone, Uncle Guy. And so... As we continue with my story, my prelude, um, it was it was kind of fun. I, I I did enjoy it. I did get an education out of it. I was able to parlay it into further work for other places and myself, acting as a freelancer. And so, the the idea of direct mail is a genius. Inception. So today's TV ads are going to be direct mail ads, and you're going to have an 800 number, and you're going to have a website, and you're going to have to go to either one or both, um, and uh, get your gadget, get your little turbo microwave oven or uh, super suck vacuum cleaner. My cynicism is only tempered by my love of the art. No matter what I was working on, I did have some joy in it. At least I thought I did. I believe I did.
another sip there. And I do love to put together an ad. Um, a little bit more involved back then. Back in the... Let's say from... Well, from the 60s, the only ones that could afford a, a uh, photostatic camera, which would be the large room-sized cameras that would be able to have the uh, lens width to capture corner-to-corner uh, ads up to, I believe it was 1824. Could have been a square. It was a square. It was a round lens with square conversion. So let's say 24 by 24. And then, of course, you could blow up images up to billboard size or even larger if you wanted to. Uh, airplanes used uh, hand lettering back then. Um, some of the billboards were hand painted. Uh, they were. They, I went into Whiteco, uh, a billboard company in Providence, and uh, they're no longer called that. It's Lamar Advertising now, but back then it was Whiteco. And they had a hangar-sized building uh, that was on the um, east end of Providence. And you would walk in and see large industrial-sized projectors uh, pumping out the images that were needed to uh, educate the, the folks driving down Interstate 95 back and forth from their daily commute. And so you would see... Uh, guys up there on 12 feet high by 40 feet some odd sized uh, white uh, sectioned off boards uh, that they could easily install let's say 10 feet wide by 6 feet high or 10 feet by 12 feet high in the case of the built larger boards uh, carefully tracing the projection that would appear on the white. And a lot of times that work was pretty tedious, depending on the complexity. But billboards are, are a very direct thing. They need to really get the message in. So there's not usually a lot of imagery. Uh, it can be involved with imagery, but the, the typography, the message itself needs to be, let's say... Oh, for a 40-foot board, you know, let's say 15 to 20 words max and short words, advertising copy words, words that you can make connections with quickly. For smaller rooftop billboards, the uh, 20-foot width board by 11 feet high, I know that working for my brother Paul's car dealership where he had a board uh, or has a board currently, on the highway, um, you need to do it in literally, uh, it, it goes down exponentially. You're, you're limited really to a headline and the logo and possibly the website, which is now part of your locations. So in the case of Paul Massey Chevrolet, it would be the Chevrolet logo, the Paul Massey logo. Um, have to keep those separate. Chevrolet rules on that one. And then you'd have East Providence. Uh, you would have East Providence, Wakefield, and the website. 
at a very short headline, a two-word headline, a three-word. You're stretching it with four words. I I kid you not, because if you allow for the image, you're not really left with a lot of real estate on that on that board. Um, And nighttime, the board actually reads a little better. You're not distracted from the surrounding traffic except the headlights, and you do have to pay attention quite a bit more. You don't have the peripheral peripheral read that you do at daytime driving. A lot of a lot of people are are uh, are, are night blind. I was going to say nearsighted. That would be really dangerous. Um, night blinded, and uh, the 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 impairment factor. So even a even a one word or two word with all the other treatments can get busy. So it took me. Oh, I would say maybe. Oh, it seemed countless, but it's probably just about. By the fifth, by the fifth board, and I'm probably average. By the fifth board, I think I had it down. I think I actually had it down. Um, how to communicate to people on the highway. Uh, white works really well. Black will will recede. Black will look smaller, but black will pop. Uh, blue, watch out for blue. It can blend in with the blue sky unless you want that. Unless that's it. That's something you want to achieve, then go for it. So outdoor being a print print uh, approach is a very uh, concise uh, way to wrap up your message in, in, with a nice red bow, as they say. And I've put some red bows on both outdoor boards. Posters. Posters are sublime, okay? So posters are are almost an art form, are almost gallery hangable. Um, you, can, you can do a poster with basically 8,000% image and 0.2% type and get away with it. You don't want people having to walk up to a billboard, but you want people to walk up to a poster. You want the viewer potential viewer to see your your poster tucked in a corner somewhere well, hopefully you've put it out in plain sight but if you can't it adds to the intrigue what's that over there well, it's some nice colors I see some nice composition I'm attracted to that I'm going to walk over to it um, horizontal that's a tough one that's more of a mural right uh, that's more of a timeline uh, but Vertical tall works really well in a poster. A tall poster is going to definitely have some some people walking over uh, and checking that out. It, it, is, it is an elegance to a tall poster. When I say tall, I mean, oh, 24 inches wide by 48 inches high tall. Uh, two to one aspect. And the... Uh, the shelf life of a poster can be almost indefinite. There's a timelessness to uh, a properly designed poster. Communication Arts Magazines dedicates pages and pages on posters and their artists. And you can check them out. Uh, CA Magazine. I don't have their website, 
but I can definitely get that to you. Print is a cool, cool thing to work in. After the stat camera came what's called digital, digital mechanics. No more paste up, which was a way to put together an ad where all the elements were pasted on a board flat on the same plane for focus. The type would be set by a typesetter. Uh, it wouldn't be printed directly off your printer at your house, for instance. It would be uh, ordered and paid for. They were third-party vendors, and they were uh, they had every font that you needed. Um, seemingly a lot back then, probably a couple hundred, maybe 300 fonts. Today, of course, countless fonts. People design their own typefaces now. I used to be intimidated by typeface design. Now I think I could probably design a couple of typefaces or two. And we ran the gamut from serif face to non-serif, which was the little hooks on the bottoms and tops of letters, of each letter and number. Uh, they, they ran from script to decorative, from comic to horror, from right up on down to or down to your ice fonts or your snow fonts um, which would have little snow or ice icicles hanging from from the, the letter itself and you wouldn't use an ice font to advertise heating oil uh, just like you wouldn't use a gradiated heat font uh, from red to orange in a limited spectrum uh, to advertise uh, an ice house. And everything is appropriate. Everything must communicate in a direct level. The advertising in the 80s started getting back to, harkening back to the uh, early century advertising where it was copy heavy. The, the, there were certain ad agencies that were known for long copy with their ads. Um, BMW did advertising uh, that had uh, several columns, thin columns of type uh, running, cascading throughout the ad with a uh, uh, 520i in the middle uh, coming off on, on a uh, off the page. And so that whole, the whole idea of uh, impact uh, with the immediacy of the reading of the read of the magazine or newspaper. Also remember newspapers have been always around, right? Um, since we can remember and magazines as well. And they had the time, the evolutionary time to develop. Early American television uh, getting back to TV, didn't have had a quicker, quicker exposure time, quicker, a quicker evolution. Um, advertising got sophisticated a little bit more in the 50s and quite a bit more in the 60s. By the 70s, we're looking at styles of advertising that echo today's advertising, uh, where the character of the ad takes on its own personality. Um, we had those ads of the dog running into the kitchen cabinet for his dog chow because the wagon, the cowboy wagon, 
ran across the living room floor and into the kitchen. We had uh, Winston cigarettes. We had um, uh, some liquor ads. We also were uh, witness to uh, ads for uh, insurance companies and ads for cars. There were a lot of car ads back then. There were a lot of car ads today. The car ads back then um, dwelled on lifestyle. Today, for the most part, I can't say all, and I know it's not all, uh, Buick has always tried to mix in um, a smaller brand, one of my brother's brands, by the way, that he carries those cars. and they always try to tie in lifestyle with their product. And they do a great job with the mix on that, for the most part. And so you have that entire arc of advertising that everything seems to be interconnected, yet disparate at the same time, or desperate, or disparate at the same time. Part two, coming in January of Advertising Arts, will continue with a focus on television and a focus on the culture of advertising agencies. So stay tuned for Talk Me Some Art and other stories and be in with the in crowd.